0: To say, well, look, if we don't perform here, we don't come through. The React Expansion is not going to fund these tenants. They're not going to, you know, get be able to stay in a place in which you know they want to stay. They wanna, they they want to they want to. This is their home. Many of them have been there since the start. You know, been there since the 70s. So it's like families on families. So we don't come through. They're gonna you know they're gonna be gone.
1: As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got my man A. Donahue Baker back with me today, man.
0: How are things in Jersey? Everything is beautiful in Jersey. You know, it's uh, we're going through the COVID situation. But other than that, it's beautiful in Jersey.
1: So I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing with us your story about how you were able to create half a million dollars in 30 days to take down this deal with some owner financing. Uh, I wanted to have you back because we started going down the path of affordable housing. And so with that, I don't want to steal all the thunder. Give the listeners a little bit about, about your background and you know how you got into affordable housing.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm A. Donahue Baker. I am a, a CPA in my previous life, uh, but right now I'm 100% real estate. I focus on purchasing value-add apartment complexes. That's really my niche. Uh, I'm starting to branch out and get into ground-up development. I've done a couple ground-up development projects, have a couple in the mix right now. Uh, But by this time next year, God willing, you'll you'll see me double the size of my current portfolio for those projects that I have in the pipeline. But um, I guess we're here today to talk about affordable housing, and I have Uh, a a deal that probably my toughest deal to date uh definitely wanted to tell you guys about it hopefully you can learn from it and hopefully you can see the opportunity in affordable housing and the value that you that you can provide people that really need it
1: wow wow so it's a really niche Part of part of multifamily invest in this affordable housing. You got all the special reporting. You got people where you can only put your rent at certain levels, and so I'm really excited to learn more about this. So, where where was the deal located, and how did you source it?
0: The deal was located in New Jersey, and I sourced it basically once again word of mouth. So I had another colleague that said, you know, they're there's this apartment complex, uh, over a hundred unit. And you know, they need someone to buy it. They need someone to come in. That's going to fix it up and, and, uh, and, and really give the tenant someplace uh, a better living place to, uh, to be. And that's basically how I found it, you know? And, uh, I saw it, uh, literally I knew exactly where it was, just wasn't really familiar with the ownership at that particular time. So I went there and I reached out, met the owner, uh, great young man. We spoke before I know it. We had a contract and it was three days.
1: Wow. So 100, 120, how, how many was it? 107
0: to be exact. Yes.
1: 107 units. What'd you buy it for?
0: Bought this one for $5.6 million. And we're,
1: we're, how do you get these deals?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this was, a, this was in once again, it's, it's, it's sourced. So I, I basically, a lot of people, it's a pipeline of deals that come my way. I look at about a hundred deals a month, right? And out of those hundred deals a month, there's probably one or two good ones that are even, you know, worth following up on. But if you know what to look for, for me, it's like, you know, really looking for uh, the opportunity to do a tremendous value add and, a lot of the time, it's the lens from which you're looking at. So, for this particular deal, um, you can look at it from a lot of different perspectives. You can look at it as uh, as what is the project work worth currently, or you can look at it as you know what can I convert this project to? And that's what I did. And I thought that's, that's where for this particular deal, that's where the value add came in. I'm gonna, you know, we'll we'll talk about the numbers uh, a little bit later. But the opportunity is boom, five point six million. That's what the property was bringing in. But with the right changes, the right management in place, this thing can, you know, can hit another home run. So that's just the lens from which um, from which I, I uh, looked at this particular deal.
1: Okay, so break it down for me. You. You grab the deal. You're under contract. You said this is your most challenging deal, so there had to be some missteps along the way.
0: Lots of them. <laughs> right. So yeah. So where do I go with the missteps? I mean, they started from uh, day one for the most part. But the most the the, the takeaway, the the real error in this particular deal is it took me over one year to close this deal, and. Uh, It was scary because at times I thought that I was not going to close this deal. And at times I spent a tremendous amount of money uh, before I even got to the closing table. And what that looked like was I had to purchase um, a phase one report, which wasn't cheap, phase two report, which wasn't cheap. I had to, I had to basically, the owner was in so much trouble I had to literally. Uh, I advanced him money. All this before closing, by the way. I had to advance him money for the whole operation to even still be in place. Um, there was a significant amount of repairs. There's a there's a, a inspection. It's called the React inspection, right? This React inspection. If you don't pass it, you don't. the the The, the money doesn't come. The funding doesn't come. So it was a whole bunch of things I needed to do. I had to, this this um, property was on, you know, acres and acres. We, we they, they failed the react inspection because the sidewalks weren't uneven. So, and then they failed because of, you know, excessive amount of trees. I had to do all of this before I closed. And it put me in a situation where it was like, I don't think, I don't think I'll ever do that again. But um, that was the most stressful deal. Like I was, I was literally going through depression because at various times I had a three, I had a um, six month, uh, well, I had a three month contract with, an, with the option to extend it for another three months. And every step of the way, uh, the value that was there, the seller basically, uh, you know, leveraged me. Like, look, this contract is about to expire. I got other people coming at me here, you know, with with better pricing. And you know, it, it was, I was getting that consistently. I was just turning the screws on me. So, you know, it was it was tough. I mean, he he really, really squeezed me, you know, and uh, you know, had to had to I had to really lean on my legal team sometimes there, but the the missteps is um, you know, as with real estate development too. It's like, you know, the money that you put out there, you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where if the deal doesn't go through, it could ruin you. That deal would have ruined me had we not closed. How
1: much is at risk? Because sidewalk leveling is not cheap.
0: Sidewalk leveling is not cheap. The removing trees, um, I mean, it was, yeah, it was was quite an uh, expenditure, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a few hundred thousand dollars at risk.
0: Absolutely. We spent, um, before pre-close, I spent a half a million pre-close.
1: So, but how did you protect the risk, right? Like if he pulled on you and you already had the money in the property, what recourse did you have?
0: The recourse I had was, I would, I mean, it will be a suit, right? So the recourse that I had was that the, the government agencies in play, uh, which was HUD, and this was what's called a, uh, this was a section 236 um, uh, project. Well, section 236 mortgage, and I'm gonna explain what that is um, for those that may not know what what a section 236 mortgage is. Back in the 70s, the government needed affordable housing. They still need affordable housing now, right? (laughs) They need even more. But the government actually did something to encourage affordable housing so they created these mortgages called the 236 and the 236 works like this they would reach out to developers and say look if you build we'll give you a 50-year mortgage and you'll pay zero interest along the way so the and 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 also that mortgage is assumable right so so it was an encourage, it was an incentive literally, the government gives you all the money to build, and then when you sell the project, the, the owner would basically pay zero percent interest, or, or, or close to it, right? maybe one or, or, or close to zero, all the way through the life of the loan, right which would be 50 years. right? And uh, for this particular project, You know that's what that's what it was. We had an assumable mortgage. We had uh, this thing called an IRP, which uh, the government has a fund in there, which basically uh, you know pays you. There was a million dollars in this IRP. So my goal was to say, well, look, the 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 leverage that I had was to say, you know, in order for the and and when you take this money, by the way, you have a, a, a you have HUD as your partner. So every sale has to go through HUD. We went through HUD. We went through that process, which was a learning uh, curve wall in itself. I can talk to you about stories on that. But we went through that. We spoke to the number two man in the in the Trump administration. So I went right down to DC, um, and and actually they were able to help me through that. So with with the triangulation of leverage, we we kinda said, look, it made me feel comfortable enough to put this money at risk. And uh I did, but it was it it wasn't the smartest thing to do. So I have to have to put it out there.
1: <laughs> and, I mean <laughs> that's know. terrifying. But I guess you wouldn't have been able to assume the loan if the issues with the re the inspection weren't resolved.
0: Correct. I wouldn't have been not only would I have not been able to assume the loan, but we possibly could have like if we were able to close. We could have possibly taken over a project that had, uh, you know, tremendous amount of vacancies because those those tenants wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten the funding that they needed to stay there, and they you know they would have had they would have they would have lost their funding. So you know there was a lot riding on that. So um, it was also a situation where you know we had to to to, to basically take the tenants. Uh, goodwill and that was that was something that, that um uh, that really propelled me through this process to say well look if we don't perform here we don't come through the React inspection is not gonna fund these tenants they're not gonna you know get be able to stay in a place in which you know they wanna stay. They wanna they they wanna they want to this is their home. Many of them have been there since the start, you know, been there since the seventies. So it's like families on families. So we don't come through, they're gonna you know, they're gonna be gone. What's up,
1: guys? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at myewsmethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now, let's get back to the episode. Let them down. And I mean, obviously, the owner the current owner wasn't taking care of business and so he wasn't actually giving them a clean suitable safe place to live right
0: yeah it was it was a situation where the current owner owned the place since the early 80s um and not only that uh, they're you know older it was an older gentleman he was up there in age and they basically um were doing the best that they could um but uh you know there were some major deficiencies, and because of the way that they were, you know, running the operation, you know, there there were some real issues. They they had some real capital issues.
1: So you put all the money at risk. You get the ball across the goal line. You close. Is everything perfect at that point?
0: Um, it's I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's it's running efficiently, right? So as with anything, we we basically when we took over. You know, we had this whole issue of staffing. Um, I think two or three of the the previous um, management um, they actually had they actually had uh, apartments in the facility. Uh, the management, so we made the decision to keep uh, some of as much of the current staff as we could to a certain extent. But we just bought in new management, a new management company that had you know experience managing over forty thousand units. So their resume was impeccable, but we tried to save jobs. We tried to still keep that community feel. Of course, you don't, know, you can't please everyone. But uh, you know, I go through there today, and the tenants are happy. With the changes that we're we're making, and uh, you know, it's it, it makes me feel good that um, I'm actually providing a service that people can can really feel. I grew up in affordable housing, so you know, it's it's key for me to 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 give the best possible value the best possible living facility that that i could afford and and we're dumping millions into that project uh to to increase the value of that particular project
1: so did you partner with other folks to take down this deal or yes okay so how'd you pick who you were going to go in on this deal with because these deals are challenging like
0: yeah so this at that particular time um I was under so much pressure with with that deal like there was um there like uh, other people saw the opportunity as well too uh, people had they were they were saying well you know you purchased a a 10 million dollar property for half price and the pressure was was immense right so we had like a, there was like another jewish group that would come after me they would come to my house they would say i give you a million dollars for this contract today they would just you know they would just trying to get this deal every every way possible so there was a core group that i had and i basically put it out to them and uh, you know i said look this is an opportunity Uh, who wants to 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 be involved and you know once you find a deal the money will come and the money came but money wasn't a wasn't an obstacle in this deal. It literally was the deal itself. The, the the waiting a year, like most people, you know, we close these deals in two three months tops. But to wait a year is not appetizing for investors. <laughs> and uh and and I and I did a syndication on that deal, so I had a syndication business model on that deal. So. Um, that was my uh, my last indication deal. So I'm sure you know with your experience. I'm sure you know what it's like to do that. You have investors just barking at you like a year again. We you know if I knew it was going to take a year. I would have said, look, let's uh, you know I need this money to be in there for a year. But um, I didn't know it was literally every three months we were changing. You know we had to go through um, HUD in D.C. I explained earlier. Then there was the state level. Of, of, of HUD that we had to go through. We had to go through um, New Jersey Mortgage Housing and Finance. We had to go through the, uh, the regional uh, DCA office. I mean, it was just so many different layers and the complexity. Um, I felt like I became a HUD expert uh, by the end of this process.
1: So were you able to get this deal done without having somebody with prior HUD experience on the team outside of the property manager?
0: Nope, I paid, I uh, actually paid one HUD consultant 40 grand to, to help me navigate it. Uh, and, and then uh, we kind of, I guess, you know, she might have gotten a little frustrated or whatever. And we had to hire somebody else. So I ended up paying another uh, HUD consultant that actually brought me across the finish line. Uh, real good dude that, uh, that really uh, just just took, you know, right beside me every day uh grinding it out with me and uh and and we bought it across the finish line.
1: Wow. So that money was at risk too because
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're close, right? So
0: absolutely. And and what's crazy is um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, as you deal with these rules and regulations, I mean there's stipulations in there that you can only um because we were purchasing the property from a nonprofit, it was a situation where, um, you know, they could only, the hut, like HUD itself would only allow the nonprofit to make so much profit. So it was like that. Another thing working at our factory, when he was, when the seller was trying to drive the price up, <laughs> I'm using all the leverage as possible to say, well, look, you're only, they're only going to let you make so much profit. So stay where you are. Don't drive the price up. <laughs> wow. So, yeah.
1: Were there any big, big surprises? I mean, you found out about the sidewalks and the trees and that stuff, but did you have any just like, oh man, I don't know if I should do this while you were going through the process?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This deal fell apart at least three times over the course of a year, at least three times. It was, it was, I'm telling you, it was, I thought it was going to be the, the death of me, literally, because. Uh, the first hurdle, the, the, the original plan that we had was um, to assume the mortgage. So we were going to assume the, the 236, right? And we had, you know, had all the funding in place. everything was ready to go. Um, we just needed to do uh, this last inspection to, uh, to get the mortgage assumed. They found that not even any of the uh, apartments, but there's like a uh, like a river that ran through the back. There is it was like a wooded area that just it's part it's it's on the land that 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 I own, but it's so far away from the apartments it doesn't affect anything. Right, it's just like a little trails. But because there's that river in there, the zoning came up that the property uh, could possibly get flooded, and I just found out that they will you know Freddie and Fanny. They won't uh insure a property in a flood zone. So just that little stream sent this whole thing reeling. Really, and we were literally set to close. And I had to back up and I mean, it was, I mean, we lost about, I mean, we're going to the closing table, that issue came up, and we 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 couldn't assume the mortgage. So we had to uh put me in a tailspin, so I'm going back, tail between my legs, telling the seller, look, I need more time, I need to, you know, and of course, negotiations, (laughs) you know, (laughs) every time it's a give and take, so, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, one thing in real estate, you can always, always, always expect something to go wrong, so always, you just have to be prepared for it.
1: When you were getting those extensions, did he ask you for more money each time?
0: Yeah, so so the issue was, if we went out of contract, we literally would have to renegotiate the full terms. Um, so, yeah, it was tough. And then on top of that, as, as we got further along, there's more people externally that are aware that this sale is taking place. And they're aware of the price it's taking place at. So, you know, you have this other element that they're, kind of, they're kind of in the seller's ear, they're in my ear. You know, like I told you, I told you about the Jewish guy that offered me a million dollars. You know, he came to my house, offered me a million dollars, just like that. You know, just to, just to walk away. But, but what they were doing also is they were going to the seller and telling the seller, oh yeah, we'll, you know, we'll give you more money and this. And and times the seller, you know, call me and say, look man, you guys don't have the money. I'm, this not going to happen. And I would be depressed, but I would not let this deal go. <laughs> so, um, I mean, when I closed, I was like, I had to take the biggest vacation ever. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's that's what I went through for a full year, and it was it was pretty much hell.
1: <laughs> so, is the key process changed so this never happens again? To not buy uh, deals, or what are you doing to make? No. In-
0: no, I, I wouldn't say that. I would just say I learned a, along the way. So now I have a different mindset. If I know if I'm doing an affordable um, housing deal from the start, I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to close in a year. Right. So if you go in with that mindset, you can you can make different decisions. Right. Where I I was accustomed to doing these conventional deals. We close in, in a couple months. We all, you know, bring our money, the seller signs off, we're good to go. I was accustomed to that. But what happens when you have a committed seller on one side and then a committed buyer, but there's like all these government entities that you and all these other hoops that you have to jump through, it complicates the process. So I bake that into every affordable housing deal I, I do from this point on. It's gonna take a year to close. And then you bake that into the price. So it's another mechanism from which you can, you know, drive the price down. Got it. Got it.
1: Got it. So last question, as always, what's words of wisdom that you can give to the listeners?
0: Words of wisdom. Basically, um, I would leave you with this. Uh, Opportunity is (laughs) all in every difficulty. So with this particular deal, I would tell you that the, the, the opportunity was, and we never said it, uh, we bought it 5.6 million this particular deal right now today worth over 12 million dollars right credible incredible uh value-add opportunity i would just like to say when you look at particular deals um, know that sometimes you don't really you can't really uncover the full spectrum of it you can't really understand it until you get in it and do a deep dive so the point is is that it's important that you analyze your deals from various perspectives, right? So if you see, in a, let's say, affordable housing in particular, a lot of times people will just say, all right, what is the current income? They'll, they'll, they'll use the income approach to value the deal, but there's so many other means that you, like, is it, how much is the rent undervalued? You know, all of these things we incorporated into the deal and, and was able to deliver
1: Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous value. Awesome, Donahue. I really appreciate you sharing with the listeners. I don't know. I'm going through HUD process right now. It make me kind of question whether or not I should be going down this road. But
0: it's tough. As long as, long as there's, there's a pot of gold at the end of the, end of the rainbow, you should be good. Also, I, if I could, man, I, I got this book. It's called Generational Wealth. That's the key. I definitely want to put it out there for your listeners. If you, any any of you guys are interested in, in creating generational wealth, all you have to do to get the book is actually subscribe to my YouTube channel, A. Donahue Baker, and also uh, join private Facebook group, uh, Generational Wealth Builders, and the book is yours free to help you on your journey to creating generational wealth. So uh, I definitely wanted to, to, to put that out there in case – uh, any of your listeners are interested in building generational wealth.
1: Awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing with the listeners and we'll connect with you soon.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, you know, we'll, we're going to be talking soon. I'll definitely probably reach out to you in another week or so. Oh,
1: great. We made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.